Hey, thanks for listening to Replayable, a podcast where we talk about current media within a game concept. Beware, there will be spoilers ahead. Jennifer. Good. I've been I've been playing a lot of Child of Light. I finally was able to connect my account so I can get all the free games. I know because I just got my new PC, rainbow oh, lights yeah. and all. I know. <laughs> it's weird though because my PC doesn't have a camera for meetings, so I'm still like half on my MacBook, half on my PC, even throughout the workday. Oh. So mm-hmm. I'm like moving my uh, headset back and forth between the two computers just to. Uh, throughout the day because my monitor also doesn't have a speaker so i'm not fully set up but i've got my gaming chair i've got my nice headphones i've been stacked anyway so i got a bunch of free games and i'm stacked and feels like cheating but i'm okay with that yeah no that's really nice i feel like uh i'm in the recesses of trying to carve out a new game uh vibe I, people who probably know me out there, I don't know. I actually deleted Street Fighter from my computer and my PlayStation. And that was bit like, has been a huge part of my personality. Because I find just, I don't know, there's so many other games out there. But it's almost like still rolling back to the games that you're safe with is boring. But then also I'm still waiting for, there's this one game that's been that was supposed to have come out, I think a little while ago, but it's like a back for blood and it's like multiplayer online. And I just, yeah, I want to have more multiplayer experiences and I'm trying to like whittle down like the, the OG, I guess, versus though I'm getting like a guilty gear, I think next month. Cause there's some people at oh. work playing it. So, so fighting games are like your thing. They honestly, they were for the longest time. Fighting games were definitely it for me. And I was pretty good too. I went at some tournaments, but I don't know. I just find I'm just, uh, I just don't, it's almost, it's a different engine now. I notice that I get really like irritable and cause it's all about winning and right. it, it's not so much about, I, I like cooperative things where you're doing things together. Cause I feel like that's more of a win. That's more fun when there's like strategy involved, but when it's just, especially street fighter, cause it's so classics, but it's changed when it, it's no longer about the fight, which is like you have to know certain things and strategies. It's like, everybody just picks like the player that's like super overpowered and then just abuses all the tricks. And it's not even, there's no like skill really equated to knowing anything else. It's just, oh, I know the glitch to like win. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like I get it. But then it's, there's an entire game here, but people only play for like that. If they can, let's say you start the infinity combo and then it's okay, cool. So I'm going to be juggled for like, however long the enjoyment isn't there. It's not the same. Even when I win too, I'm just like, I don't know gonna lie i suck at those sort of fighter games because i'm Mm -hmm. just a button smasher i've tried i try to learn the combos but yeah no i'm the type of person that would just get obliterated all the time and then i get my own player frustration and i'm just yeah Yeah. i'm yeah i'm the same i'm not great at them i would say one thing though if i sort of interject you two could be terrors though if you played uh, Tekken and this character, I remember Eddie Gordo, 
It's like this Capoeira character. And literally in the arcade, like I remember when it came out, people just rub their hands along the buttons and you do all these crazy combos that nobody <laughs> would know how to do. And because it was so random, there's no rhyme or reason of how to get out of certain sequences. So you're just, it's like your brain is being cooked by the amount of variety that you're being hit with and you don't know how to get out of it. <laughs> oh, I man. like the idea of button smasher mode accessible. <laughs> totally, <laughs> Level yeah. the playing field a little here. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the guy's been like training three years and traded up like so many things and you're just like folding them up into like a chair and... Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, so we are talking about the Mitchells versus the Machines, which uh, I thought was, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought this was I was great. really worried because when I, I think I texted you once, you're like, I'm halfway through. And I'm like, and you put it down? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it was like, because I had my, uh, actually, my vaccine. So it was oddly more tired than I normally was, which was weird. I wasn't sure if it was like, did I stay up late last night? But I was just like, I'm partway through this. It's, this is pretty, this is good, but I just can't like, and then when I finished it yesterday, I thought it was, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I thought it was super creative and yeah, there were so many things that were winning in it that, yeah, I was really impressed. It was almost like for me, because the visual medium, the things that we can do, we can like animate, you have like illustrators, you have like animators, and it's, it feels like it encompassed all of those, all of those uh, disciplines quite well. So I thought it was really fun, really solid message. Yeah, I, I, I did enjoy it a lot. I'm sorry, I'm like jumping the, jumping the gun here. So yeah, I guess it's released this year, 2021, and uh, Michael right there, I'm going to butcher this. Rianda? I don't know Amanda. how to say it either. There you go. I love how our intros are always Darian trying his best and Amanda just knowing. <laughs> no, no, I don't actually know, but um, you say it with confidence. You just I'm like, yeah, yeah of course it is. You just have to say it and uh, Jennifer Alwyn. Yeah. Alwyn. <laughs> it's like, oh That's yeah. So cute. <laughs> so but good. he worked on Gravity Falls. So oh, okay. yeah, if you've ever watched that. It's a great animated series. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, it does feel like him I've... and Alex Hirsch, I believe his name is, are two folks who worked on the Mitchells versus the Machines and Gravity Falls as well. Is Gravity Falls a Netflix? Also, no, Disney. Disney Plus. Oh, Disney. Okay. Okay. I think I also hear one of the guys from Spider-Man Into the Universe is also in this. Or on this project? Um, I think there's a bunch because of it being Sony. Oh, um, that, that would explain that. <laughs> that I'm just going to put a wild guess out there. Assume <laughs> they've kept employees around. Well, and Into the Spider-Verse was such a... Like, it's, I think, one of the best animated films. Maybe the best animated films ever. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm throwing mm -hmm. it out there. Mm -hmm. Mitchells versus the Machines might actually top that for me now. But just, like, the really cool things they did with animation. It's just, I think Sony, honestly, they just knock it out of the park with their animated films. We won't talk about Emoji Movie. That was a long time ago. <laughs> but even, like, Hotel Transylvania has just some, like, really great animation and like really great character designers work on these films as well yeah people i really yeah. look up to so 
Yeah. yeah. I like their mixed media. Sorry, we're still we're butchering yeah, Darian's we- beautifully planned <laughs> intro. No, I don't mind it at all. Uh, no, we sure no, have. Actually, should we, maybe we should let you finish it and then we can uh We should let him start it. <laughs> yeah, we'll start it. No, it's cool. Okay, you I can guess tell it's a Friday. It, okay. It would bye. just be like synopsis. It would just be uh what is it? Katie Mitchell and uh her journey towards going to college, which I can relate to, which was co-opted by essentially I don't know, corporate greed and the influx of new technology by the iPals. And then they rerouted that sort of journey. But it's also like that aspect of when you have a story, I think I'm jumping out the ship myself. The fact that the relationship with her father isn't quite as solid, but I think it would, yeah, I just like the fact that there was that struggle of them trying to like figure out what is the good relationship for us. Yeah, eventually things pan out, but uh, yeah, that's, I guess, uh, the quick and dirty, like, synopsis of it. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely like a, yeah, you got to see it. I don't know. That's my plug. You got to see it. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just oddly relatable to everyone in their own weird way, because really the message of this movie, in my opinion, was that humanity itself we're connected to our flaws. And right from the beginning, she says, my family, we only have weaknesses. I'm sure we all feel like that to some extent, but no one prepared me for this whole father-daughter part of this movie. Mm -hmm. I was watching it with my dad, who his entire life growing up, he wanted to have, he wanted to go up north and he wanted to live in a small town and be a family doctor. He wanted to have a log cabin on the water. Like that, this has been his dream for so long. And he gave it up so that my brothers and I could live in walking distance of schools and have a certain lifestyle. Needless to say, we were both in tears. And then I'm this wacky art student. I was like, oh man, I know everyone feels like they can connect, but I was like, no one prepared me for this. I just wanted them to shoot machines. Uh Yeah. yeah. I didn't want the feels. Yeah. But I think it goes to show you like, uh, I don't know, like in regards to some of the movies that come that have come out recently, it really feels it is all about the feels. It is all about the sort of the messages that messages that have value, like the relationship that they have and him coming to terms with the things that he has to give up. And I'm pretty sure your father has zero regrets when it comes to raising kids and like how his life transitioned. And I think it's a message that it's definitely trying to tell to and through experience in, in regards to their relationships and how they're complex, but at the same time, it's like they're complex because there's some conversations that weren't had, but yeah, I, I think it, I thought it was really great. I thought it was really great. I could relate so much to her wanting to find her people. I mm-hmm. really felt, I felt like her when I was like, man, I just want to get to Sheridan. Like, that's where I graduated. I want to get to Sheridan. I want to get to Sheridan. I was so done with where I was in high school. And then when I got there, it was just like, yeah, it was incredible. It was like Hogwarts. You see all these amazingly talented people that you're learning and growing with. It's super cool. So I definitely got that part. But yeah, like I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Obviously, it's very on the nose when it came to a lot of the current media and stuff like this. And yeah, I thought it was really great. Yeah. Amanda, what did you, I guess, what'd you think? I love the whole family. So not even just Katie and her dad, like obviously that part made me cry. <laughs> and, and, and I think like in my even case, the pug, Amanda, even the pug, 
oh my god the pug my family has pugs right and I was like, oh, yeah, that is 100% a pug their family did dog, feel a lot like mine in a way except that my dad and I were very much in tune because he was a gamer and mm. but like just any sort of like family bonding type film will just put me into tears anyways but like every person in the family had like they all self-actualized like they all had something to overcome in a way like for katie and her dad it was understanding each other for the mother it was to stop comparing their family with what she saw online like she kept trying to take photos that didn't really live up to what she thought their family should look like she was comparing themselves to the posies who are voiced by chrissy teigen and oh, yeah, i remember his name right now who's chrissy teigen married to is the piano player Yes, yes. Why can't I remember his name? Oh my God. Uh, of course, because I need to know it. And it's really funny because I bet people aren't like, who's Chrissy Teigen's husband? It's usually the other way, I bet. I was like, was uh, he in La La Land? John maybe? Legend. Oh, yeah. It's John Legend. So <laughs> they're voiced by Chrissy Teigen and John Legend, who are already like this beautiful couple obviously so yeah so she's like always comparing themselves to that family the brother i guess in his case maybe it's either um talking to girls or perhaps it's just the how the divide between his sister and his dad are like affecting the family the pug becoming not cross-eyed for a second <laughs> was like Maji's little self-actualizations. I just thought it was really great that they each had their own little storyline, even though the main one was definitely Katie and, and the dad. But mm -hmm. I just, I absolutely love this film. I feel like you could pause at any moment and whatever you landed on would look like a painting, would look like an artwork. I don't know if you noticed just like how amazing the lighting and like just how like nice the compositions of every shot were it was like it basically every frame was a painting so just it's yeah. gorgeous there was a, i can't remember off the top of my head i know that there was another uh movie uh a while ago that had zombies in it and it was something darren the... you're gonna have to be more specific <laughs> yeah i know exactly it's like there was a movie with zombies <laughs> i'm like well, there we go sorry <laughs> But it was, it was 3D and essentially they, it was stop motion animation and they were also illustrating and animating over top of the stop motion animation. Hopefully it'll come to me maybe later on in the episode, but I just really enjoy that aesthetic. I think that, yeah, the medium of 3D, it has transitioned through this kind of field and it's still there where there seems to be a want of like exactitude. Yeah, there you go. Paranorman. That is correct. I was just going to say that. I didn't want to cut you out though. No, yeah, that's, that's cool. Leica. They do a lot of combinations of stop motion, but then some parts of it will be CG. Yeah, yeah. But, but I really feel like that because there's always like this cleanliness of make sure that it's rendered and then you have compositing and then you have these sort of like departmental checkdowns that I feel really we're almost safeguards in regards to what people want to do and make sure that it has a certain aesthetic, but it never, there comes a point where they never really feel completed in the sense of if this is a creation, a created movie, you should be maybe utilizing 
a lot more of the disciplines. So yeah, the drawing over top of it, the, the, when things, I think there's also sound effects kind of motifs. There's just so many things that were done and integrated quite well in the visual language that it was really strong. Even, yeah, the cinematography, the, even the cuts and jumping out to YouTube and what this reminds me of, and there's like this fourth wall moment. Yeah. I really thought that they know who this movie is for and it's very much so to the individuals that maybe a little bit younger than I am, but I feel like I'm still within that kind of geist who are very aware of media and the transitions that it's going through. And yeah, it just, it felt like they really nailed it on so many levels. And then even the music as well. I was just like, dang, you guys are slaying it. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. I'm oh, glad okay. you mentioned the, the art style because I was trying to put my finger on it in a way. So I did some research and no one, everyone had a different idea of what to call it. Do you want to hear the list I've developed oh. and then spilt water on? So I'll do my best here. We've got hand-painted watercolor style, which I actually thought was more of a chalk style when I watched it. I was like, it felt more like, like trying to, what somebody else called stimulated hand-drawn illustrations. We've got a 2D art special effect for more specifically regarding Katie's vision. We've got cartoonish happy elements. And my favorite, which uh, is copy and paste scrapbook meme. <laughs> wow. So I don't know. really great. It's on the nose. That was mine. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but I did, I follow some of the artists on Twitter and they, they did talk about trying to find Katie's style. Like when you see the hand-drawn elements, like they're supposed to look like what Katie is drawing. It, that kind of ties those moments of those little graphics that they add, tie it back into the story and the way that she views the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah. The Katie vision, but it's like a style we've seen be mimicked before in these like online, but I've, I've just never, I don't know, put a name to it or, or seen it as its own genre. So I liked how they made that into a bit more of the mainstream as a way, like in a musical they would express themselves through song, how she was able to in these sort of 2D elements placed on top. So you said if we ever paused, it would look like a painting. And I almost felt because of those 2D arts, if we pause, it almost looks like a postcard. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really like the style. And for me, I always gravitate towards like heavy contrast or juxtaposition. But what I found here is like we have on this one side, this family has this quirky, cartoonish, happy elements style, let's say. And that was supposed to be in contrast to the robots that was supposed to be a bit more sterile, spaced, copy and paste, similar. And for me, I was gravitating at first, oh, they didn't make a strong enough contrast. But I'm like, no, they did. And I think they did it very well where it felt like it was in the same universe. And sometimes when we try to, I always say sometimes the best way to explain something is by showing you what it's not. So the best way to explain this family is showing what they're not, which is this sort of like perfect structured robot universe. But I thought they did it very well and it was very balanced where it felt like they were in the same universe, but you could still get this idea of these two things colliding and not really being on the same page or uh, the same space. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It really made me, I think some elements of Tron hearkened through in regards to the robots. 
it actually reminded me of a, there is a music video by C to C and it's called Delta and the giant sort of, I think it was uh, orange obelisk kind of floating in the background. I really thought that, yeah, there was a lot of kind of graphic elements on the robot side mm. that were very grandiose. The, yeah, just, I don't know. It's, you can only help but look up. They're just these massive kind of achievements of technology and you have the Mitchells and they're driving their, like, look like a, as Jennifer alluded to, like, like a postcard kind of vehicle with all these stickers on the back and everything's chucked up on the hood and dents and kicks and all these sort of knickknacks all around the vehicle. And I mean, even every, almost every environment that they were predominantly in was expressed visually like that until they crossed over towards the robots and then they used the robots as costumes. But then even that they were like, what is it? The father had his like stomach hanging out and nothing really like fit in their disguise. But yeah, I just thought it was like really smart. I thought that it was in a way I would say about time because not that other mediums haven't been trying to push, but I really feel like the art direction that they decided to go with challenged the maybe previous kind of like notions of making a you know, 3D film, because you can put the camera anywhere. You can do anything with how you're trying to frame the action and frame the story. And it felt like for the longest time for uh, 3D, I, I worked in it. It felt like 3D film was always just trying to mimic uh, real live action film. And it's like, why? That was always my kind of like thing. It's like, why are we trying to make these characters look as real as possible? Why is the framing so safe? Why is everything, you could put the, the camera on the back of a character's tooth staring out of its mouth. You can do anything with this camera. You can put it anywhere as long as obviously it makes sense when it's in context of the story. But I felt for the longest time when you're seeing some movies, there's an unwillingness to experiment with kind of like different ways of maybe visually going about telling a story because there is just a safeness to it. And I think I love that the Mitchells really broke that kind of mold or even the current genres of film that are done in 3D are breaking that mold because I think, yeah, you need to experiment. You need to not be locked down to the way things are, the way you feel things would come across as safe it's you need to dabble in some of the elements that might not be as much but at the same time it's like you're also developing and carving out a new voice and i thought that yeah the style was quite well done and definitely kudos to 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 that team really for nailing it down and yeah i was really yeah. impressed really impressed it's interesting uh, that you uh, talked about oh you go ahead amanda <laughs> I was going to talk about this idea of how they were filming with their digital camera, right? Like it's a virtual camera. It doesn't exist as an actual camera, but when they're filming CG films, because what I find with Sony is that sometimes, even though they have these CG characters, they'll almost behave. I can think of Hotel Transylvania being a very good example. They'll almost behave as if they were 2D. And I find that they're also very willing to break the rig in a way. You'll see mm -hmm. things like 
stretch and move in ways that are more cartoonish and less in reality. And perhaps, and and as you guys have probably heard of the uncanny valley before, mm-hmm. where there's mm-hmm. a point when you're like approaching realism, where it's just not real enough, and it, it becomes uncanny. I like that they've stepped back from that because that was horrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's basically all I, w- I just wanted to touch on that point, just with the virtual camera. Sony, I think, is very excellent at least in in recent times that I can think of at just having really interesting shots and yeah. But it's interesting when we talk about shots and, and where we're put placing our, our camera, because in video games, which I know we'll talk to later in, in a lot of ways we ourselves are quite confined in how we can make it accessible to the player. We have either first person or third person really or side scroller, I guess, if if we want to go more in, into different routes. But I'm curious, Aaron, even with your thoughts, because you mentioned the point about the frame, how do you think we can learn from this? And is that something that would easily be adaptable into video games or not, in terms of playing around with that formula? Yeah, I think, I really think, obviously, for for games, there's a lot of play testing when it comes to how you want to convey certain elements to the player whereas film is almost like an expose of visually telling a story through sequences and you're doing the same thing in video games but it also has to convey certain action elements so that there are mechanics that are overlaid on top of what you're doing and if those mechanics don't play to clarity, the player will get frustrated. I think when it comes... Because even using the Muller example, you have, you you were like, yeah, we can show that. I'm just, I'm I'm curious where film can be innovative, how much that can translate. Oh, to two games? Is, is that the, that's the question? Like how well it can... Um, how can yeah, like how can video games be inspired by this sort of breaking the frame or, or trying different techniques? Um, Sorry, we can skip over this question. No, it's totally <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. No, we I'm... don't plan these. These are very. <laughs> I, <laughs> we, this is the first time we've talked. <laughs> I like it. No, because this is like the yeah. It's a definitely. hard question. There's no right or wrong answer, and I, I agree. Where it's more or less untested and like how often can you break the camera because that is such a vital component to how we play, right? Is visibility is how we move. Yeah. I think it depends on the action of kind of what's going on. Obviously there's elements, story moments and story beats that take place in, in game as well that you're trying to, yeah, give a unique kind of like view or vantage point of what's going on throughout the story so there's always that the cutscene aspect that, that comes in but i think in regards to film my opinion is i feel that and this might be a little bit contentious for some i think that video games are leading the way in a sense i think that film definitely is a wonderful medium I and mean, i do have a lot of respect for it and it's a really incredible Odyssey storytelling device, but I think that my interest in, in regards to 
playing video games, I've worked in film and whatnot, and, and I enjoy it. But I think that games are, is leading the way on a lot of fronts where film is like being pushed to not be as safe. You could look at like the Avengers like whole arc as an as a reply back to games as as a medium. And it's not to bring economics into it as it's some sort of element of being correct, but video games is like a, a quite a large financial industry and yearly it's not only is it winning quote unquote at the box office, the technologies that are being created are essentially affecting everything within 3D. Considering Mandalorian, that was done in Unreal. Like, Bingo. what the heck? Yeah. But even when you look at the tools, like back in the day, people used to texture characters in Photoshop, which is a 2D program. And now it's like you have Substance Painter, which was created by Naughty Dog. Not by Naughty Dog, but in conjunction with Algorithmic. And they developed that tool together. And that tool itself has changed a lot in regards to how even film is texturing characters. And yeah, as you said, game engines essentially are leading the way when it comes to the ability to iterate and explore and again, find more ways to challenge these maybe camera angles that when you're going about it in a traditional, maybe more traditional manner, usually in film, they have sequences locked off, whereas Within a game engine, you can have an entire movie and you can put the camera anywhere in any which way. And you can, as long as you have the assets that are filling out the areas, pardon me, you can reframe shots. You can make experimentation a part of the process at a much more rapid pace because everything is real time. Whereas like in film, you have, you're, you're bound to the making sure that, okay, cool. We have everything in shot. Then we have to render it, but then you can't, you'd have to give an objection and then certain things would have to change where there's an automated process that you have access to, but you couldn't just as a director be like, what would it be like from the other side? So there's nothing on the other side. It's because we didn't because the camera's shooting this way, we're basing everything off the storyboards that we're given. So it's very much, it's a locked down process. Whereas maybe the attitudes have changed in regards to how they're shooting a lot of these movies, where maybe it's like very much gray boxes and we're just trying to frame the action as best as possible, maybe in a very unconventional manner, which can include that element of exploration. But yeah, I would say now it's the opposite. I really think the torch in a way has been passed to games within this generation, even though there are games out there that have not, that aren't exactly in the formula of, let's say, uh, a story and a story arc, but the ones that have done it at an excellent level like a level that, yeah, really challenges the player to question motives, to question things that they're confronted with in, a, again, much more kind of real-time fashion. and Or even just not safe too, right? I feel like for a while now, when we talk about the movie industry, and sorry, we're diving into this topic, mm -hmm. but a lot of people are saying like 
there was a few years in a row where all we were getting was like sequels and reboots and people were just like, it feels like where are all the original ideas? And that's when I really started craving video games was because there was so much indie content with all these unique stories, all having something different to say that you would might not see in the mainstream or not, might not even get funded at a mm -hmm. large scale, but we're still finding their audiences and having that speak to them. I actually attended a conference in LA for games and I was talking to one of the guys there and he's, this is my 10th year coming to this conference. And normally, because it's, it's in LA, it's in Hollywood, it's a bunch of the, the movie people telling video games what's going to be the next coming trends but he goes mm. this is like the year where we're actually taking note we're hoping to hear what you have to say about metaverses or about cryptocurrencies even right that's a lot of these new things that are happening in the video game industry that are becoming mainstream becoming what we're seeing across the board as innovation and and the future so mm. it's this interesting dynamic between the two industries where we do have cross talent like we've like you Darian your prime example how we're like leaning back and forth on each other. So it's just, how can we be inspired from both to tell new stories and to be creative? Yeah, I think- So I love that they're using our technology when for a while, I think we were looking at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is definitely like a, a back and forth, but I'd almost say there are indie movies that can be shot in regards to like there are indie games that can be created, but I think there is this fusion of the new pencil, if you could put it in that framing. Because when you're working within 3D, you have access to so much, so many tools that you can, if you have this idea, you can convey it in such a clear fashion. But I would, you know, say that there's an empowerment as well that film and games, when you have somewhat of a youth demographic to a degree, I would say, because you still need to develop the skills to express what you want to express. But I think if there's something that can be learned, it is that the availability for individuals to tell a story, it has to be, there has to be access. And I think when you touched upon that point of there's all these sequels, well, that's the industry essentially being safe. They're all, they're very budget oriented. And so I'm going to give you like 40 million to make this movie. It can't be a flop. So what cannot be a flop? We're going to make... Well, we've also done remakes big. too. We're, we're also sure. guilty, but... But I would say of recent, I'm going to only hearken to what I really enjoy, The Last of Us, that kind of story arc. That is a very interesting game because I would say it's the first quadruple A game that's been released in comparison to other games that are out there. Because it's like, it's a fusion of fresh technology at delivered at such a high level with the emotional elements of film and portraying that journey at such an excellent level. Yeah, that it's changed the complexion in regards to how certain visual mediums are being approached. Now with the Mitchells, even though, yeah, that game is clearly all 3D, but film in a way is like trying to almost reinvent itself to a degree, I would say when it comes to uh, 3D, not so much reinvent, but explore the visual medium more. So it's like using 2D elements, using like live actions, motifs, and trying to use those kind of heartfelt elements 
to tell an authentic story and be fearless in regards to how they're trying to convey that. And that's really important to the journey is process and exploration. And I think when you're caught in this kind of idea of maybe can't fail, you truncate the exploration so that, well, this is safe and the Mitchells was not safe. And it, it, for it not being safe, it hit it out of the park. And that's the thing when it's like you have the creative aspect. Yeah, of course you're going to, you have to allow failure into the process of creation. But as long as you're true to the process of trying to create something, you will end up in a place that is much different than what your initial intention was. And I think that's where you have new individuals coming in and like new directors new studios, new approaches, like really trying to buck the trend of what was prior. And that's, that's what the Mitchells, Mitchell says that. And I think that even with games, they are still doing that now. And it's, it's happening on a lot of fronts because it is very much so almost like a, a cobblemation. You have film, you have game, you could have illustration, you can have music. There's all these elements that games essentially have access to that can use to explore story. Even when you have AR, augmented reality, how is that going to change storytelling? That could be a, a part of it as well. VR, even though that's been dabbled in like a, a little bit as well, that's definitely going to change like the, the impact of certain elements of, you know, storytelling. But I think it's definitely, it's always on the, the cusp, the bleeding edge. And it is that aspect of trying to be fearless, trying to explore within the medium to create something instead of harken back to, well, this is safe. This is, this is an American shot. This is a cowboy shot and just frame it out as such. When maybe you reach a point in the creative process where this isn't working as well as they thought it would, how can we change this up? I will say it was probably a calculated risk. Like we're not saying that they, but I will say it felt like an original idea. And I felt like I haven't seen that in a while and that's, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they've done a lot of research to support this. It didn't just they're just not saying it's risky, but it's, it's definitely new and what we need. Yeah. I think allowing creatives to play, it's authentic because even the director is, it's his story, his mm -hmm. journey in regards to things that there's one part of the, this is true. And there's another part, obviously the robots and taking over the world is not true, but at the same time, it's the hemming of those two elements together, which is making something unique. And then visually, how do you express it in a way that is definitely pushing the bar? Yeah, definitely. I have a question. How would you gamify this, Amanda? You see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> how Shit. original. Oh, the risk. Yeah. What, what a segue. What a segue. <laughs> oh, man. So funny. Oh, see, I really try to think about this as I was watching it and it made me think of okay I it made me think of a little bit retro kind of game like I, I almost even though there's nothing retro about this film for some reason I kept thinking back to okay we can talk about a modern retro game like Scott Pilgrim it's for some reason it made me beat em think ups. of that like a beat em up pixel, like pixel beat em ups a little pixel beat em up because you have these so the reason why i thought about it is cuz we have these characters we have 
four these four family members <laughs> include the pug I mean, I, okay no the pug would be like a helper pig dog in bread. some way yeah <laughs> the pig dog loaf of bread would do some would wouldn't be a character i think that you would play but he would be like a little bonus or a little power up of some sort so i it, it, that's what and that was the first thing that came to mind was like you could pick between these characters and basically yeah that's you are fighting your way to the end goal which is pal and yeah that's so that that was my jumping off point was beat him up but now I also felt bad saying that because they're not my favorite type of game and I would really want to enjoy whatever game was made about this movie. Yeah, so that that was my struggle. Mhm. What is your favorite type of game? Maybe that's a question. Oh gosh. 2D side scroller. <laughs> I do talk about the 2D side-scroller a lot, don't I? Uh, not my favorite type of game, probably. I don't know. I like a lot of different types of games. One. One. <laughs> okay, if I had to pick one type, I love adventure games. I love adventure games. They're my favorite, I think. No, they can't be. They can't be my favorite. So I say, I do you want to do a full open-world RPG? AAA? No. no. <laughs> I think that this game if it were open world that could be really cool it seems like a really cool world but I think it would still need to be pretty narrative driven like it couldn't be like that open world not a sandbox mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. my opinion yeah okay. what do you think me or you? Jennifer oh, I, have I have to pick Jennifer <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> It's like getting okay yeah so approaching this the immediate problem i encountered was there's too many main characters we've got four five including the pug and then we got seven including the robots so i was like how do we juggle this because we could do a handoff sure we could do co-op yeah but then when i was hitting co-op I was thinking, what if we actually just do an MMO, like a massively multiplayer online game, and have it where you can pick your own families? And I had this sort of idea for a character builder, but instead of picking your strengths, you actually have to pick your flaws. And if it's you love dinosaurs or whatever that sort of self-actualization that you called earlier, like having to pick... <laughs> your flaws but making it i don't know i was talking to a lot of my D, &D friends earlier and one guy was telling me that his character is a wise potato because he has eight eyes get it like your third eye he has eight eyes so you can see past present and future mm -hmm. so i wanted yeah. wacky characters i wanted what i was like you know what you can make your dysfunctional family you can have you can be a dog you can be a robot you oh, can be a person so you can be a furby you can be a fridge have a fridge narrative and just being able to build your family, but your character building has to be your flaws and then just being able to go into the world and maybe have to combat other families like the posies and having it be an open world. But you know what I'm talking about, like the world of Warcraft kind of um, bird's eye view in a way and just trying to work together to, to get to the end. I love how meta you take these. I think sometimes I'm too literal. I just want to, I don't know, climb inside your brain. Just have a little nap there. Because 
You come up with such explain, cool stuff. I have to explain my thought process. I'm like, okay, walk with me here. No, I think that sounds amazing. <laughs> like basically building your own family. But yeah, and then having the built-in flaws, that sounds like you could make some really cool dynamics. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was Sims who did it. I remember having to, I was playing a game and you had 20 points. And they made you fill them in certain sections. Like it was like strength, intelligence, agility. And you could either choose to max out like one or two, or you could choose to be like leveled. But I was having a a tough time kind of deciding what those would be. So I'm not sure how the flaw system would work entirely. But I definitely hope someone takes it for food for thought and just runs with that. But yeah, I like like the idea of bonus content, maybe even maybe being able to like make videos within the engine so you can have these times where you can learn how about transitioning or layering effects because in Ghost of Tsushima, as everyone knows, I've been playing for what feels like a year now. You can have these random excerpts where you just make haikus. They, they still control you into some element, like you have options of three and then you pick that and then it builds on that and you can, and then you end with this haiku at the end. So something like that with videos, or I guess something like Pokemon Snap, if we want like a less violent version. But uh, really, I just kept coming back to MMO. And my dad timed in, and so I'm going to honor his thing. And he said, instead of death, make it the pod, and then they have to make a mini game to get out of the pod. No okay. lives. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I think, obviously, like in regards to the elements that were being played with, it wasn't, yeah. I think killing would be like definitely, whoa, that's weird. Yeah. No, I like that. I like your dad's awesome suggestion. What about my whole MMO? You were silent that entire time, Terry. I you're was like, listening. Yes. I wasn't like, interrupting. You're like the death pod, of course. Having an entire massive alt multiplayer. Jen, stop. I like, no, I'm I, I definitely I'm like I'm the, being hard on you. Yeah. I definitely like the, the world like building and like the the way you can cobble together like your family and i think that's really cool too because yeah you just have a different maybe obviously each like family member would have a different ability but yeah i think i definitely think there has to be a lot of fearlessness when it comes to that sensibility of expression as well i guess for myself i I don't know if it's too much of done and done when it comes to open world but i did see it visually almost a game called sunset overdrive by insomniac where it's using the same elements that are very colorful and your enemies they're crazy and as you're skateboarding around sliding around the level or maybe that could be parlayed into have hijacked a robot and now you're shooting other enemies and things like this but i can definitely see it playing out as being very stylish and you could even Mm. have those elements of almost a beat-em-up. Maybe there's a certain character that is more of like a beat-em-up character that would jump into the the fray. Like maybe the dad is more of like a beat-em-up character and the mom is more of like a swords-like character. You could also have the leveling up system as they go through, let's say, area to area. So it'd be like, you have to conquer this area because it felt very much like that. It's like, first you have to escape this sort of, I forget the first conflict that they had with the robots but they escaped out of there and then they went to the mall and then they went to all these different areas that they themselves begin to almost power up until they could actually confront the enemy at the end and at that point it's they're just on all cylinders 
I think one thing that made me also maybe even hearkening back true to a fighting game, but I remember Marvel vs. Capcom 2, Jennifer, you were saying there's too many characters. You could, let's say you're playing with the character and maybe they get weak. You could swap out. Maybe a character oh. would just come in from the side and then all of a sudden you're the mom and then maybe she gets weak and you swap out and then you could have this, the energy bar for them goes down, but then they, it would go back up slowly mm -hmm. when they're not on screen, but it's, you can swap these maybe family members out. That could be one kind of mechanic that would be interesting. Or like child of light. Sure. Oh, yeah. what, what is that of style of combat? It's not I, Child it's of Light like by no means popular popularized that. I but I, I don't know what type of combat style that is. I don't help. know if it. Yeah, that was turn based. I would say right if I remember correctly, Child of Light was turn based, but you could swap out. Oh God, it's been a really long time since I've played it. But you could swap out with characters, right? Like on the fly as yeah. a turn. And I, I would say, actually, Final Fantasy X did that as well. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. the OG Pokemon did as well. Oh, yeah. 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 So that sort of combat, that could be really neat. Like, you're a family. So what if it were an RPG? And that also yep. brings back your element, too, Amanda, of that sort of world where it's not necessarily open. Maybe it is more 2D. Maybe it is uh, kind of like a side scroller in a sense. But having that sort of combat method to reduce sort of the clutter on screen if you're like having a bunch of ai follow you around awkwardly that's what i just kept envisioning <laughs> it's like how do you bundle the seven people around with you without them i don't know it depends upon i guess the play mechanics that you dive into you could also have it let's say as an idea let's say you have if it's it's a co-op game and so you have two players on screen but then let's say, and they've done this in the past, where you have one character controlling, let's say, both players. And maybe you can, it, depending on your character combination, it depends on the their combo set. So maybe the mom is really fast and like the son is really like methodical. Maybe his thing is like critical hits. So it's a mom, you'd have the mom come out and maybe she'd land a few kind of like really quick blows. And then because the son is with her, she could very much so, I think Prince of Persia had an element as well where I'm, I'm not exactly sure which one, but it was where you could use two players together where almost like gymnastically, the other character would come in and complete the combo and then it would, they'd be running like side by side again. So it'd be like, yeah, maybe the dad comes out when he's landing like haymakers, but then like maybe his animation, he starts like huffing and puffing. And then his daughter comes in with, maybe she has a pack of like flashbangs or these different kinds of very colorful attacks, which then finish off the combo. And then because each character is unique, you could have critical hits with the flashbang combo or fast hits with the haymaker. So it's almost like you're trying to find different combinations to do these different combinations of characters to do these more elaborate fighting techniques. That would be like interesting because it's, you do want it to pair true to like a, a family 
You want to have all, in my mind, you'd want to have all the family members on screen to one degree or another. But yeah, I think that would definitely be neat if it was explored in that kind of beat em up genre element. Yeah, because it's, I just think visually it would add really nice dynamism. And then the animators could have a lot of fun with a lot of the kind of characterization of certain parts paired with certain characters. And again, it would be, you could play through as one combination of characters, then you could play through as another combination of characters and have a slightly different experience in regards to the game that you're going through as well. Yeah. I don't know if, have you, are you guys familiar with Sunset Overdrive at all or? No, I just, it looks really neat. Actually. I never played it. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I've played it like uh, a little bit more. So I think I was playing it on a friend's system because I have a PlayStation. The one because... where you have ca crazy character customization and yeah, I think it is. One of my friends was just playing this actually. And he was saying he has a cape, but the cape mm -hmm. has physics in the cutscenes. <laughs> so it's just like flapping in the wind crazy but he's like there was like he's like in terms of vanity gear and mm -hmm. it's i don't know it's been getting a lot of attention lately from my friends vanity gear or no sunset overdrive this is the second time i've heard about it in a month and i'm like i've never heard about it before and i just <laughs> looked it up again i'm like this is i've already looked this up how and, and i just yeah. remembered the cape story and i was like oh my gosh when did this come out 2014 yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's, I it I guess it's, it's been, I don't know, because it's like in regards to older games, there is that sort of aspect of I have this big catalog of all these games that I wanted to play, but um, not having the time to do. But I know, I think in regards to Xbox, they have this Xbox Pass where you have access to essentially an entire catalog of games where, you know, for somebody who is trying to check off the games that they want to play back in the day, it makes it easier for them to do. Yeah. I really want this game to exist. They should listen to this and, and call us. Make the game. Yeah. Come on, Sony. You can even make it PlayStation exclusive. I have that. So it's okay. Yeah. I like yeah. how people are, are probably listening to this and they're like, aren't you the people who can be making this? And we're like, but no. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, but no. Another, like, we could make our own family, as Jennifer put it. It could just be like refrigerators and stuff. I, you know what? I think that would be so great. I would play as the fridge or what, like a Roomba? Oh my God. Oh, be the Roomba character. Roomba I just, combo. Like, you're, you have, you're open to whatever, like, exists thanks to that whole PAL technology and the fact that there were, like, defects, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. That would be neat, because then you could have a human character paired with uh, a stove. It would be, it'd be pretty wild indeed. <laughs> Definitely very daring. <laughs> character customizations, making a comeback more than ever. All the capes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Replayable. Replayable was created by Darian McRae. Our co-hosts are Jennifer Owen and Amanda Preparzi. Thank you for listening. For ideas on future episodes, please contact us at ideas at replayablepodcast.com.